I grew up in a church that frequently said when persons got up to pray or to give a testimony, they said, those of you who know the virtue of prayer, pray for me. I'm saying the same thing to you today. Those of you who know the virtue of prayer, pray for me. Brother Oscar, I forgot to tell my wife it's our anniversary this morning. <laughs> Those of you who know the virtue of prayer, pray for me. Brother Boy. Happy anniversary, my darling. If my friend and brother didn't come in Sunday school class this morning and told me when he passed by, happy anniversary. Happy what? <laughs> then he told me that they put it in that famous document called the bulletin. Thank you, bulletin. In conclusion, before we get out of here, you remember it's my anniversary now, so I'm going to fast forward this. <laughs> Let me say again, good morning, and I am delighted that I'm glad that you came here this morning. You are such a colorful, good-looking group of people. And I suppose if I got closer, you would even smell good. <laughs> Thank you for coming here again this morning. Now, besides God, because usually when you ask a question, most people in this context like to include God. So let me suggest at the outset, let's exclude God. Briefly, besides God, have you stopped or paused long enough this morning just to consider all of the persons that were involved in you being here this morning? I'll give you five seconds to think about it. Thank you. How many of you thought about your parents? Yes. Good. Okay, your parents, of course, contributed to you being here. What about the clothes designers or manufacturers? Yes, yes, yes. Um, what about the shoe? Oh, we can't leave that out. The shoe, right? The shoe. The shoe designers or manufacturers, because I'm assuming everybody's wearing one. But what about the fragrance makers or designers as well? What about the chemists and those persons who drove here? What about the automobile industry? What about the physicists? What about the fuel providers? OPEC has anything to do with it? Maybe. What about the farmers? Some of you on a diet, and you didn't eat this morning because you don't eat on Sunday mornings. You save that so you can make one big thing during lunch. But then again, what about the doctors? Some of you wouldn't have gotten out of bed had it not been for that thing you took last night to get you up this morning. 
maybe you were not feeling well, but you took this capsule. And so the doctor, in a sense, and the pharmacist all contributed to you being here this morning. Now, I won't even mention those other special individuals who have so positively influenced your lives in terms of your own value system. What about your spiritual status? Why are you here this morning? Maybe in the past there were some persons who have deposited in your lives something spiritual. And as a result, you are here this morning. What about the level of education that you have? What about your social clout? When we consider all of these individuals who may have contributed to you being here this morning, I am of the opinion that that's an impressive-looking list of people. And so I am, again, very pleased, very glad that you are here this morning. Are you? Thank you, brother. Well, the United Technologies Corporation asked a question. I believe a very important question. They asked the question, how important are you? Some of you are thinking, I'm very important. You even stick out your chest. You are. Maybe more than you think. A rooster minus a hen equals no baby chicks. Kellogg's Drew Fowler uh, minus the farmer equals no cereal. If the nail factory closes, what good is the hammer factory? A cracker maker will do well if there is a cheese maker. A skillful surgeon needs the ambulance driver to deliver the badly injured patient. And so just as Rogers needed hammerstein, you need somebody and somebody needs you. Amen? You need somebody and somebody needs you. I suggest to you this morning that life's essential ingredient is people. Life's essential ingredient is people. I thought about that for a moment and I wonder what I would be doing if you didn't show up here this morning. People. What was that, Patrice? Celebrating my anniversary. Well, I needed people to remind me, so you see I'd be in birth trouble. Life, let's face it, though. Let's face it. Friends make life a lot more fun. Friends make life a lot more fun. I would like to remind some of you and for others to introduce to you for the first time a real true friend, one that sticks closer than a brother. In the Bible, in Genesis, this friend is called Shiloh. In Exodus, he is called the I Am. Number says he is the star and the scepter. Deuteronomy says he is the rock, not that other rock. He is the rock. Joshua says he is the captain of the Lord's host. Joshua said that. Job said he is redeemer. We sung about him this morning. Psalm says he is David's Lord and shepherd. Songs of Solomon says he is the beloved. Oh, I love to talk about him. And then Isaiah says he's called wonderful counselor, the mighty God. 
the everlasting father, the prince of peace. Daniel calls him the fourth man. Michael said he is the one who is going forth is from everlasting to everlasting. Haggai says he is the desire of all nations. Zechariah says he is the branch. Malachi says he is the messenger of the covenant. And I come to you this morning with this message that life's essential ingredient is people. Somebody needs you, and you need somebody. What do people call you nowadays? I heard that. Everything but a child of God. Mm-hmm. That's common. What would your world be like without people? After all, people are such an inconvenience, isn't it? They crowd the mall. They cause traffic jam, long lines, poor service, and sometimes inferior products. And sometimes people cause you to have ugly relatives. <laughs> I, I heard a story about a husband and wife who were not on the best of speaking terms. And as they were driving along this lonely road, they passed an open field where there were some domestic bovines or cattle grazing. The husband looked at the cattle. Then he looked at his wife. He raised his left eyebrow. And he said, Relatives of yours? <laughs> the wife, smooth, without hesitation, says yes, on my husband's side. <laughs> the presence of people is essential. People need people. We need caring people. We need helpful people. We need friendly people, interesting people, thoughtful people. These kinds of people soften the sometimes harsh realities of life. That's why I say again, people are the essential ingredient of life. And when we forget or ignore this truth, Strange and sometimes ungodly things happen. Let me ask you a question. How many of you, flash your hand up and put it down quickly before I see it with my good eye. If you believe that you, no, let's try it this way. How many of you love to serve the Lord? Put it there up and put it down quickly. If you really believe that. Good, good. I, I, I almost saw that hand. If you believe that, how do you intend to serve God, minus all the people, then how will you serve him? Make that long list for me. Do you see how closely your service to God is attached to people? We must remember then that people are important to God. 
God, if anybody can, can do anything without people. And yet, God in his sovereign wisdom and knowledge chose to use people. God chose to use you and me. I say again, people need people. Now, do this with me. Please turn in your Bibles to page 1,574. If you have another Bible, that's Philippians chapter 2. Philippians chapter 2. I want us to, to look at something about a very important, very popular Bible character. He is what we refer to as our brother, the late, great Apostle Paul. My question is, did he need people? Or did Paul have friends? We know that, for example, that Dr. Luke traveled with him. And I'm sure that he proved beneficial to Paul when illness beset him. We also know that the rigors of constant and sometimes dangerous travel could make one vulnerable to that monster called loneliness. And that's why I believe Paul had with him Barnabas and Silas to accompany him. Now, of course, Paul being under house arrest in Rome, Paul found himself unable to travel to Philippi. And here is where we are introduced to two of his friends. Look at verse 19. Philippians chapter 2, verse 19. And I will read through to verse 24. Philippians 2, 19 through 24. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. For I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of his proven worth, that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel, like a child serving his father. Therefore, I hope to send him immediately, as soon as I see how things go with you. And I trust in the Lord that I myself also shall be coming shortly. Timothy. Who was he? Well, one thing we know for sure is that he was a native either of Lystra or Derby. That's in Asia Minor today. That area is called Turkey. We know that he was a child of mixed marriage. His mother was Jewish and his father Greek. We know that also that he was uncircumcised until he was a young adult. And we know that his spiritual interest was from his maternal side of his family, from his mother Eunice. Hi, Eunice. How are you? And his grandmother, Louis. We also know that he was led into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ by Paul. Now, before we look at some, and maybe just three 
things that Paul specifically said about Timothy. May I ask you a few questions? Thank you for your silent consent. Question one. Do you know of anyone with a disagreeable spirit or soul? Someone who is crouchy all the time? Thank you. Don't answer loud. Timothy was not like that. Do you know of anyone who is, simply put, difficult to get along with? Mm-hmm. Not Timothy. Have you met any pretenders recently? These are the ones who sometimes might even ask you when you meet them, how are you doing? Now, that's what we consider sometimes our common courtesy or greeting format. How do you tell when, whether or not that person is generally concerned how you're doing? Sometimes we ask a question, how are you doing? And the person says, not well. And you said, that's nice. <laughs> and then they go on to something else, or maybe they're not asking you, how are you doing? But how is your mother? Or your children, your uncle, or your aunt? How are they? And you said, they're doing terrible. That's wonderful. You know. They're not really listening to you. So they learn this pattern of how to greet people. So I call them pretenders. You're sure looking good. Some people say that to you. You sure look fine today. Could that imply that yesterday you were not? <laughs> or the last time I saw you, you were not? Or maybe they're saying you're wearing a new outfit. Brother Anton, you sure bless me with your ministry of music today. That's because, is that real? How do you tell the difference? I'm saying to you that sometimes there might be pretenders in our midst. Sometimes people do not mean what they say. Sometimes those words that could otherwise be meaning well could have an undertone that is done in a sarcastic way. And nonetheless, I still say to you that people need people. But Timothy was not like that. He was not a pretender. Do you know anyone who has never uh, seemed to, to have the time or the interest to help others? Unless, of course, there is a fee or some public accolade attached. They don't do anything in secret unless somebody gives them a round of applause, nor would they have time for you unless you show me the money, you know. Sometimes there are persons like that. And what makes it more tragic is sometimes these are Christian people. Paul mentioned at least three things about his friend Timothy. One, kindred spirit. It is only used here in the New Testament. It means same soul, same soul, equal spirit, like-minded. Mathematically speaking, it means that the triangles of their spirit were congruent. They thought alike. Kindred spirit does not, of course, suggest some temperament or the same temperament or always agreeing. But what it does mean is that neither Paul nor Timothy had to work hard at maintaining the relationship. They just seem to gel like a felon. Gel like a felon? I heard that on TV once. 
Time and distance had no adverse effect on their relationship. Like David and Jonathan, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David, and Jonathan loved him as himself. 1 Samuel 18, verse 1. So coming across a person with a kindred spirit is rare. Not just an acquaintance, not just what we sometimes call a good friend. There is this oneness of spirit. There's no need for explanation, no need for excuses or defenses. There's this ease being around this person. I hope we all have a Timothy in our lives. But not only did Paul say about Timothy that he had a kindred spirit, he says that he had a genuine concern for others. That tells me uh, a lot about Timothy, about Timothy's makeup, about his compassion. He was concerned about people and their needs. Compassionate people are also hard to find. Paul tells us something about those other Christians that he interfaced with. He said, for they seek after their own interest, not those of Christ Jesus. Thirdly, Timothy had a servant heart. He had proven worth, meaning he had caliber, substance, as we say, like a child serving his father. Now, in our world of leadership today, we are overrun by persons who are hard-charging, rough or tough-minded, power-loving people who equate position with power. Now, I suggest to you that people, all people can wield power from any position as long as they maintain control over something someone else, is need, someone else need. There is also what we call most commonly financial power. That then there are those who have social power. There's also physical power. Some people even use communication power. Some people say, I won't talk to you. When you know the other person really wants to talk to you, but you, I won't talk to you. And so you use the power of your communication or the desire of the other person to communicate with you to keep them suppressed. Then there is what I call the Barnabas power, Barnabas the encouraging power. Some of you have the gift of encouragement, and you are selective. And maybe the persons who need to be encouraged, you choose not to utilize that gift in their presence for them not to benefit from it. So we all have power. Let's look at another brother that Paul introduced us to here in this second chapter of Philippians. His friend, this is in verse 25 through 30, verse 25 through 30. His friend called Epaphroditus, that's an interesting name, it simply means Charming. So, the next charming baby you see could be called Epaphroditus. That won't be too bad. I call him nickname Papi for short. So, <clears throat> let's look at how Paul described Papi. Verse 25 and following. But I thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, who is your messenger and minister to my need, because he was longing for you all and was distressed 
because you had heard that he was sick. For indeed, he was sick to the point of death. But God had mercy on him, and not on him only, but also on me. Least I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Therefore, I have sent him all the more eagerly in order that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. Therefore, receive him in the Lord with all joy and hold men like him in high regard because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. I remind you that Paul here is under house arrest. He is incarcerated in Rome, and he introduces us to his friend Papi, who is called a fellow worker, a fellow soldier, a messenger, a minister to his needs. Can you think of someone you can call your fellow worker, your fellow soldier, a messenger? Look at some... My wife tells me that I have an ugly toe. The toe that comes next to my big toe. I told her she has not been experienced enough to look at toes of people because I have a normal toe. But she thinks, she told me as recently as last night that it looks like a lollipop. <laughs> Those of you who know the virtue of prayer, pray for me. But scripture does talk a bit about the foot. It says, how blessed are the feet, the foot of those who bear good news. All right? This is good news, people. Those of you who know the virtue of prayer, pray for me. A fellow soldier, a messenger. Do you know such people? Do you have these persons in your life? Maybe more importantly, are you a fellow worker? Are you a fellow soldier? Are you a messenger of good news? Are you a minister to the needs of those God has privileged you to come into contact with? It has been said that the road to a friend's house is never long. You know, sometimes you become the target of insults and innuendos and gossip just because you associate with certain people. Just because you associate with certain people. Paul was a high-risk associate. Just being his friend could cause you to be beaten. People throw a rock at you. They could have you thrown in prison. And worse, if you couldn't swim, you could be shipwrecked just by hanging out with Paul. Paul was high-risk dangerous just because you were associated with him. And these are his friends, Timothy. Now we're talking about Poppy. Poppy was hanging around Paul, and Paul is under house arrest. That's a dangerous thing. Well, yet Poppy, for example, risked his life to minister to Paul's need. Now that's what I call a true friend, a true friend. Can you think of 
three persons, three very good friends who you believe will die for you in a heartbeat. Yep, three of them. You have them? Good. Why are you holding those three persons in thought? Here's another question. Can you think of two persons? I reduce it by one. Can you think of two persons that you will die for in a heartbeat? I would like to see that list after service. Thank you. Friendship should never be taken lightly. I believe that it is a rare gift. That is a gift to be cherished, to be guarded, and to be cultivated. I heard a story about a young girl. She was six years old, and she had a dreaded disease. And what complicated matter was that she had a rare blood type, and she needed blood transfusion if she was to recover. Fortunately, she didn't have to look very far to find a perfect donor, and that person was her brother, her nine-year-old brother, who had the same blood type. But not only this person would have also had disease, but have come out of that, and so he was a survivor. Well, finally, of course, the doctor and, of course, the parents decided, how do we ask the nine-year-old to donate blood to his sister? So the doctor asked and told, asked him, would you like to give your blood uh, for your sister? And without hesitation, the nine-year-old says, yes. Well, preparations were made. He was taken to the appropriate room. And, of course, he lied down next to uh, his sister in the bed. And uh, he felt a prick in his arm. He closed his eyes and waited. After a pint of blood was taken from him, the doctor nudged him with quivering lips and tears draining down his cheek. He asked, when am I going to die? The doctor realized how the boy had interpreted giving of his blood. Because in his mind, giving of his blood means, meant for him giving his life. And so when he realized that he was still conscious, he still anticipated that his death nearby. And so the doctor realized what the boy was thinking. He asked him, realizing that giving your blood would meant giving your life, why did you do it? Why did you agree to give your blood? And he simply says, because she was my sister. I believe that's the same thing Epaphroditus did when he was ministering to Paul. He loved Paul so much that he didn't hesitate to put his life at risk to minister to Paul. You know it is said in another place by another person, greater love has no man than this, and that a man should lay down his life for his friend. I tell you again, people need people. I need you. You need me. We need each other. 
there are a few Timothys left on earth. And when God sends one of them our way, our response should be, let's relate to them. When God sends us a papi into our lives to minister to our needs, he expects us to respect him or her. And then there's the big doozy. When God sends his son Jesus Christ to take away our sins and to escort us to heaven, he expects us to receive him. Having Timothy's in our life certainly means a lot to us. Epaphroditus are invaluable, but none of them, none of them could match up satisfactorily to the indescribable, incomparable, immutable Son of God. With nail-scarred hands, he reaches for you and waits for you to reach back to him in faith. He is the only one who could change your heart, who could remove your sins, who could remove your guilt and bestow upon you a greater self-worth. In Matthew, we are told of this one, that he is called Savior. Mark calls him Son of Man. Luke says he is the great physician. John says he is the Word made flesh. Acts says he is the name above all names. Thessalonians declares that he is the one who will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and the trump of God. Hebrew says he is the great high priest touched with the feelings of our infirmities. Jude told me that he's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with unspeakable delight. John said that I was in the spirit on the Lord's day and I saw him high and lifted. He is Alpha and he is Omega. He is the beginning. He is the ending. Now that I have introduced you, to this friend. There's only one appropriate response. Receive him. Receive him. Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this moment. You are indeed our creator. And we thank you for making us a special being. And thank you for making us social beings. Give us worth. Remind us of our need for each other. And in the process, remind us that we have the propensity and the potential to be a blessing or a cursing to others. We can be a sweet aroma or a foul odor, a soothing bam or a thorn in the flesh. Lord, remind us that we need each other. Thank you for this privilege. In Jesus' name, amen.